Today on the show, finding Catholic artists online, learning hope from St. Monica, the four last things, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Hello there. It is time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's Formula 409. I am i mean, it's episode 409. I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got uh, Olivia Galino. She is the student of life. She is our resident Italian food critic, and she's got a box of... Uh, Tissue in front of her. Is yes. it tis the season? <laughs> tis no. the season for colds They didn't colds have to know that. This was radio. <laughs> oh, that's right. No, sorry. Yeah. For those of you watching us on the radio, there's a box of tissue right there. Uh, also, we've got Matthew Hoffpower. You've come to know and love him. He is a musician, artist, resident, resident polyglot. Hey, I eat relatively sensible portion sizes, so. Uh, so you're not that. You're not polyglottonous. That's, <laughs> is that that's not good. what you were saying? No. Just kidding. Yes. No. Bien, anyway, estamos aquí. Up to space we go uh, to the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit satellite uh the satellite of perpetual hope and motion hello jeff hey there sure after that remark you gotta toss it to me <laughs> no you have the food pills you always get exactly what you're supposed to get you know and then of course uh, ed is uh, is there with you at the food oh, pill yeah. buffet uh, on the on the satellite and so the, if you what's that in the in the in the ball pit in the ball pit thank yes. you I, yeah, yeah I'm just <laughs> Kathleen would be so disappointed if she, in her absence that is not I have a feeling going. that she is somehow uh, tapping into what we're doing oh. so she's this everywhere informs, this is for Kathleen then yep she's fast. that's right yes she's like her gold star there we go exactly well uh, Matthew it's good to have you back on the show Kathleen thank is on you. assignment yet again mm-hmm. yeah so uh, so send her away so we were able to <laughs> like that so we were able to, to to kind of pull Matthew out of his um out of his alcove and uh, bring him back. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll get along fine without me nah. in his cove. So, so Matthew, you uh, you are a self-styled artist as well, right? Uh, hopefully folks have have uh, gone to the perks of being a Hoffpower on Instagram and have seen some of your artwork. Did you know that there is a Catholic artist's directory? I actually just found out about that a couple of days ago, a friend of ours texted a group text that I'm in and, mm-hmm. uh, and I hadn't clicked on it, but I did click the love button. Oh yeah. So I loved it. That's right. You want to come back to it later to yeah. see how much you love it. Yeah. It's not later yet. I haven't, but now it is. But now it is later. Here we are. Yeah. Future you is now talking to past you. <laughs> you know, for many Catholics seeing uh, all the great cathedrals, if you go on pilgrimage and the sacred art in Europe strengthens uh, your faith and, and uh, inspires us anew with a reminder that the church itself is a reflection of the truth and beauty of God, right? That's why beautiful churches and beautiful liturgies and all, and beauty is important. Sadly, though, uh, it's kind of rare, especially here in the United States, that many churches don't have um, traditional forms of sacred art in them. And, uh, and in some cases, there, it's uh, the, the art is... Uh, very contemporary, but not always beautiful. Uh, and so after decades of, of contemporary stuff kind of working its way in, there's a movement afoot among Catholic artists to bring beauty back to sacred art rather than just kind of trying to uh, baptize some of the modern movements that don't always arrive at, uh, at beauty, you know? Uh, so painter Gwyneth Thompson Briggs is doing her part to further this renaissance in traditional Catholic sacred art with the establishment of a Catholic artist's directory. Catholic Artist Directory, um, to help connect patient, uh, patrons of the sacred arts with artists committed to reviving the traditions of Western art. And that's really something because we talk about the the collapse of spirituality in the West, you know, 
And yet there is this kind of resurgence of Catholic art again, which is a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the directory, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's actually pretty easy to get to is catholicartistsdirectory.com. And you can browse through uh, a lot of the, uh, of the artists that are making themselves and, and kind of giving you a sense of, of what they do um, on, on their website. So it's just a, a beautiful little directory uh, to connect all the patrons of, of the sacred arts uh, with artists committed to, to, to doing works, you know. Um, so you can scroll on through and includes painters and sculptors and includes composers, musicians, illustrators, calligraphers, an illuminator, yes. <laughs> and a bookbinder, or if you prefer, Jeff, a bindle stiff. It's one of my favorite words. Is that real? Yeah, it's bindle stiff. Yeah. Bindle stiff? Uh-huh, bindle stiff. Like it's a bookbinder. On Deutsche? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're bindle stiff. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm sorry to That's all of our German, German speakers. I, I don't, I don't know. But it's got to be, right? I anyway. forgive you. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, so it's really kind of a cool thing to think that a, a bookbinder would be uh, a Catholic artist as well, you know, because that is uh, I mean, yeah. perhaps a long lost art yeah. of Bindle Stiffery. I love it. I like how they have um, musicians too. I wasn't expecting that, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, composers. Like, yeah, it's good that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's an important part of Catholic art, but yeah. I didn't think about it's it. It's very true. Uh, and, and of course, as with many things that are now present on, on the internet, especially as a kind of a resurgence of beauty, uh, the directory came out of a discussion among uh, Thompson Briggs, sculpture, uh, sculptor Andrew Wilson-Smith, and a calligrapher illuminator Elizabeth Lim, who agreed that something needed to be done to help people find traditional Catholic artists. Uh, so painter John Foley says that directory, which went online this September, serves a hunger for traditional sacred art as well as the artists who create it. He says that people today are starved for beauty. And I think that's accurate. People also starve for beauty, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and and they don't quite know, like, how can I get the thing that I saw at that church in Rome mm-hmm. in my own parish? Is it impossible? Michelangelo's presently dead, so what do I do, you know? Uh, and so this is a really kind of a cool thing. Uh, artists listed in the directory have been chosen based on their artistic caliber, their ability to take on new commissions, and their commitment to reviving the tradition of Western sacred art. Mm. Um, many are particularly influenced by the High Gothic, the Renaissance, the Baroque period. And, uh, and so as you, as you scroll through those, and we hope that you do, uh, catholicartistsdirectory.com, uh, you'll be able to see some of those things. So if you want to commission a work for your parish, for your home, um, or really anything else, you can browse through the directory and have a brief description there of the artist's work along with a photo, a link to their website. And of course, uh, any artist who's worth his or her salt will kind of give you an idea of a gallery of, uh, of some of the work. Uh, if you're watching the video program uh, portion of our show, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got some on the screens uh, behind us here, and, you, and there's some really beautiful work there. There are some, uh, some sculptures. There's a sculpture of Joseph and the child Jesus. There is an icon of Saint Veronica. There's some like uh, some book plate art as well, uh, as well as another one of Saint Joseph, uh, one of John the Baptist, and they're all done in different illustrative styles. Saint Therese of Lisieux, and then what appears to be uh, our Lord uh, kind of snatching Peter out mm. of the waves. So uh, as you can see, a lot of different subjects are here that um, that that might go well in your home or perhaps in your parish hall or parish church. You know. And I think it's uh, it's worth saying that the parish hall should be a place of beauty as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so so uh, yeah. Uh, again, CatholicArtistsDirectory.com. Uh, we'll put that link in the show notes so you don't have to remember it. Yeah. But uh, 
this is a really neat idea, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Lots of different styles here too. And I love that. I think I'm going to spend some time hanging out in this corridor of the internet mm-hmm. for a little while. And I suspect uh, that you, uh, depending upon your caliber of art, mm-hmm. as they say, you, you might be able to, you know, apply for membership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was just thinking. Like I know some people, <coughs> one of whom is sitting directly to my right, mm-hmm. um, directly. that could, um, oh yeah, look at that at the bottom. There's a contact form. Um, <laughs> I'm already, I'm she, sending the email uh, right now. Olivia's no. going to be signing somebody up. Yeah. Yeah. That's H O F F. No. Um, but yeah, I can think of people that I know. I feel like in our community, like our local community, we have a yeah. lot of people who are like doing their own part, yeah. not as some kind of like, we want to be part of this grand movement, but like just out of a, a deep seated personal need, but also like a transcendent need sure. to like, uh, to live a, a full Christian life that includes living a life of beauty. Yeah. Um, and then to cultivate that in whatever ways that they're given. I don't. I feel like there's a lot of people in our, especially our young adult community, mm-hmm. in in this area that have particular artistic gifts in this realm. And and I dare say too that it's it's twofold. Uh, speaking as an artist, uh, certainly not of this caliber, but speaking as an artist, uh, there is a desire in us to create that which mm-hmm. is beautiful, and and it's not um, it's not self serving to want the thing that is beautiful that has been created to be seen. You know, and, and not in a way that's um, that's self, that's uh, that's prideful, but in a I was able to create this, you know, mm. with, with all the gifts that have been given here. Take it in, you know. Right. And then on the flip side of that, there is a desire to take in that which is beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, I, I kind of I sometimes wonder, um, you know, kind of the, the the dapper dress that seems to be present among young people, you know, nowadays. I wonder if that's not like a, a secular expression of, of a desire to, to, to see beauty, to participate in beauty, and then to, to kind of receive beauty as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not the, the hipster Titian here, but, <laughs> but, but I, I wonder but if that's you? not, <laughs> well, I do have dark frames, <laughs> exactly. you know, rims on my glasses, mm-hmm. I mean, but I, I think that that's interesting too. Um, and, and, uh, Steve in the chat room says, how do we live a life of beauty without vanity coming in? Mm -hmm. And there's always this kind of fine line, uh, whenever you create that, which is beautiful, you know, it's possible, it's possible to lust after something, uh, if your desires to take in the beauty are not properly ordered. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of art it is, you know, it doesn't have to be of the human form. We can, I dare say we can lust after buildings you know, whenever we want to take something in and possess it, but whenever, whenever we we truly want to appreciate the form for what it is, huh, and to and to allow it to kind of um, to vivify us inside, right, to kind of give our give our soul that, mm, you know, that that's not lust. That's appreciating the form for for what it is and for what it points us towards. It's whenever we want to possess the form that's when we start talking about how vanity comes into those sorts of things. And for the artists, it's the same too. You know, we can, as artists, we can cross a line whenever we're drawing something and and then it does become um, an object kind of, of of possession rather than something that we know we're going to have to give away, something that we know that we're going to have to be crucified in order to share with the world. Yeah. There's a beautiful, um, there's a beautiful positive side to like something that I think that John Paul II in his letter to artists, which he wrote mm-hmm. while he was Pope. Um, it's a great letter. Yeah, it says something in there about how the artist participates in the joy of uh, of creation that God felt like when he looked at his creation and said, it is very good. When I read that, I resonated with it. I was like, I know exactly what that's like because I've, like, I've had that happen with things that I've like made or yeah. 
or whatever. Yeah, for sure. to life with art, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that's the way in which we participate in creation, right? We we can't create out of nothing. You know, we 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 have to bring some of God's dirt. We can't make our own. Uh, but but whenever we participate in in that creation, the art work of the artisan co-creating, so to speak, um, there there is this this beautiful this beautiful exchange that takes place where we share that very same phrase. It is very good. Mm-hmm. And whenever something is created very good by an artist, the first thing we can we think about is, and now I want everyone to see it. Mm-hmm. Because it is very good. This participates mm-hmm. in something higher than me. Yeah. And uh, and liturgical art does that. Sacred art certainly does that. And like I say, even architectural art and things like that. Any mm-hmm. any in, in a musical form too. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a yeah. Yeah. Well, what you're what both of y'all were saying made me think about something that Heidegger said. Which forgive me, but um, no, it's okay. He when he wrote on this, the right show. <laughs> Yes, thank you. This is a safe place. Um, yeah, he wrote this essay on technology, and he talked about a little bit what you were saying about how sometimes, um, particularly with different forms of technology, you can um, you have the the urge to just you know. Uh, before technology even enters into the picture, you have this urge to connect with your environment, mm-hmm. and technology is a means of doing that. But that the the drive, the temptation behind technology is to like you end up capturing or imprisoning or consuming mm-hmm. something that you're in, instead of interacting with it in the kind of free sense, you're you're um, entrapping it. Um, and so that made me think of like photography, um, oh, just yeah. um, because like that's a form of art, um, but it's also like think about just how accessible our cameras are to us now mm-hmm. and how like we take a picture of everything even just to remember things right yeah. like we, it's not we're not taking pictures of beautiful things we're just taking a picture of anything right um but it, it like kind of brought to mind that like dual um like idol versus icon kind of ah, you know the temptation yes. to like capture something or to um to keep something imprisoned or to like keep your focus on this one thing and not allow it to to, to be a window to be a window to something transcendent and which is what the, the function of art truly is right to to bring people back to that beauty of it is very good right the mm-hmm. creation is very good um but Sometimes there there is that temptation for whatever reason to um, to like stop at the object or to yeah. stop at the artist. That's right? concupiscence. Yes. Yes. Our, our inclination towards sin causes us to want to stop at the item, and if it is something that is beautiful and we do not recognize that it's a window, we tend to want to bow down before it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that's why the Lord makes it very clear in the first commandment that uh, that we are to to. Uh, to carve no image and then worship it mm-hmm. because we can never arrive at God because the the, the carved image, if it is worshipped, um, is a thing that has been created, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, th- there is this, this kind of um, very fine line that our world needs to rediscover. And then, that, of course, that also has to do with the, 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 de- the degree and the quality of the art, too. If the art is of a high quality, then I think... I'm just speaking out loud. I don't know. But there are some forms of art that I'm immediately drawn upward and out of myself and to the window, you know, and not to to kind of worship the object itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. that's perhaps the that's the objective nature of, of beautiful sacred art. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Ooh, we could go on forever because, well, he got really three artists at the table. Uh, four if you count Jeff, because he I don't know if you've seen Jeff's ear. Uh, on the inside, he keeps it clean in case there are visitors. But uh, but Jeff has a, an artist ear, mm. so uh, so there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I, I suppose uh, if you're with us this long, we need to remind you that we are the Catholic Underground. Mm-hmm.
Oh yeah, you are listening to the Catholic Underground rolling merrily along here uh, in podcast form on the radio, on your television screen, and on your mobile device, uh, probably so. Online at catholicunderground.tv, I'm Father Chris, joined by Matthew and Olivia and Jeff. With clean ears, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ed. Uh, Ed is in the ball pit. Our picks of the week are coming up soon, but first, uh, we thought we would spend a little bit of time with St. Monica. St. Monica, of course, one of those great saints. We always look at St. Augustine, but uh, but behind every converted saint, there's usually a woman who is praying for him, and St. Monica is a good example of that. Right. Woman of hope. Right, yeah, and she, as much airtime as she gets like as the mother of St. Augustine, we don't always get a lot of details. She lived like quiet life, you know, kind yeah. of paralleling Mary in the scriptures. Yeah. You know? We just kind of know what Augustine tells us about her in uh, in his confessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we know that she's a saint. Um, and, we, and we know that she is a saint, yeah. <laughs> Which he probably didn't tell us well, he, in so many words. That's right. So, so we thought we'd, we'd uh, go because you know uh, Matthew, you're you're new to the Catholic underground, but we do like a list, mm. and so we thought we would go through a, a list of of some of the ways that uh, that she is inspiring for maybe those who have lost hope. Yeah, yeah, and and I'd love to share this list. So, um, yeah, the feast of Saint Monica, August twenty seventh, mm-hmm. right? Um, she is particularly known for her perseverance in prayer. This is. This That's is, kind of her her big claim to fame. Absolutely, mm-hmm. this is what everybody knows her for, um, because uh, she's you know she was praying about Saint Augustine for like years and years. We're gonna yeah we're gonna go through these facts. Um, you're doing great. <laughs> I also have the schnoofleys. So, That's, um, That's okay. So That's the okay. Kleenexes are for me. Oh, sorry. That was a brand name. That's okay. Um, the tissues are for me <laughs> as well. Um, okay. So number one is St. Monica's example converted her husband and mother-in-law. This is actually yeah. new for me. I knew that her prayers converted St. Augustine. I didn't know about the mother-in-law. That's I tell you, those things, the, the prayers of uh, of requesting conversion of heart, mm-hmm. they tend to spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. They really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, God loves those prayers. They do, yeah, he for sure. He wants to answer those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I knew, I knew about the husband. I didn't know about the mother-in-law either. Yeah, so that's new information for me. Well, I guess if you convert the husband, then the mother-in-law's got to start to ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? As she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go after the, the man in the family and see if everybody else follows him. You know? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it says, uh, yep. it says here, she prayed for St. Augustine for a lot of years. That number was 17 years mm-hmm. before his conversion. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's good to know. And it's really something too that that uh, Saint Monica is is well known for the, for the perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and uh, we know that that um, Saint Augustine's dad um, had kind of a, a a violent temper, you know, mm, yeah, um, and uh, and we know that uh, that even in the midst of that, because sometimes whenever we encounter, you know. Uh, Somebody who's who's perhaps not uh, not even really listening doesn't want any part of it. You know, we can go. Oh well, you know what? I'm just going to cut my losses and, and mm-hmm. go go find somebody else to pray for. Do it. But but whenever Monica encountered uh, difficulty, you know, she's like, nope. Um, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going to the Lord. I'm going to keep entreating His heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can only imagine. I mean, 17 years Saint Augustine. So. Um, he was he was an impetuous young man, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we all know those kind of kids, and they're like, ah, stop praying for me. What are you doing? 
and yet she didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, what a mom. Yeah, that's that's good cause for hope for anyone who's. Um, I mean, first of all, yeah. Um, so her her husband and his mother, her mm-hmm. mother in law, were pagans, mm-hmm. and um, and but and had violent tempers, right? I mean, so this is like good. This is a lot of hope for for those of us who have some loved one that we're praying for, yeah. but we feel like okay. I'm thinking of someone in particular in my own life that like, okay, well, this person has like personality issues though mm-hmm. that are, that I feel like are getting in the way of like me, number one, like ever reaching them or like my prayers really doing them any good, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, but she just, she just stuck it with like prayer and patience and kindness with mm-hmm. like the things, you know. And being willing to say that it's going to take some time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, no doubt Monica would find out about what Augustine was up to the night before, mm-hmm. you know, um, because we know uh, and he admits in his confessions that he lived in a, a life of immorality. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and he, he loved uh, speaking of, of images and, and, uh, and lust. He loved going to the shows like he loved going to, to mm-hmm. these dramatic performances that were pornographic. I mean, mm-hmm. what we would call pornographic today. And, uh, and imagine, imagine knowing that that's where he was the night before. And yet she's still, rather than saying, well, I give up, Mm -hmm. she still goes to mass with St. Ambrose, right? Who was, who would imagine having St. Ambrose as your pastor and bishop. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she would still place him before the Lord 17 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if, if you're one of those folks, cause I, as priests, we get it all the time of, you know, I've been praying for my kids. Don't stop. Mm-hmm. Don't stop. Because the, the Lord wants to not only bring your children to himself by that slow whittling away at their heart, but he wants to bring you, you who are praying for their conversion, even deeper into a life with him. Yeah. You and know? it's it's like it's part of what made her a saint was the suffering that she went through of just waiting right. and praying. Because um, patience doesn't mean doesn't mean like she was peaceful tranquil all the time she's shed a lot of tears for the people Mm -hmm. that she loved you know yeah and she nurtured her son right she she still said come here come here Gus, and tell me about your day knowing full well what you know Mm -hmm. if he was going to talk what he was going to tell her the Mm -hmm. rejection uh the the very real possibility and the reality of rejection a lot in her life of of -hmm. him like not receiving her love you know Mm -hmm. that's that was part of her suffering yeah Mm -hmm. that's right but she um you know she had that sense of mission and purpose that carried her through that and you know uh, it's um, obviously inspired by and centered on the love for mm-hmm. for her family that and, she had. and i think too uh the the next point is that she experienced discouragement mm-hmm. you know um as you say talking about the tears uh, crying many times over knowing what her son <laughs> was doing mm-hmm. you know um and yet uh, we know that uh, that god affirmed her several times you know that uh that well, even through i'm sorry no. uh even in the confessions um she's talking to another bishop it's not ambrose i think it's just an unnamed mm-hmm. bishop mm-hmm. and she's just kind of pouring her heart out to him and the bishop tells her a son of tears such as yours will not perish mm. um but i just love that he calls augustine a son of tears because like think of all the tears that have been shed for him but i mean yeah. think of all the tears that have been shed for us you know That's true. by our own mothers by spiritual mothers things like that yeah. um, may we be drowned in those tears of mercy yeah exactly <laughs> you know yeah it's yeah like tears being like a salt water you know like mm-hmm. the ocean is salt water and then mm-hmm. baptism is like salt water you that's know? true you did, think did, of that? they yeah. used to put holy uh, salt in holy do. water they still do okay good yep. call <laughs> i didn't know that nice 
<laughs> anyway, fun yeah, fact. The, you, you exercise the salt so that mm-hmm. it is clean, pure, and you exercise the water, and then you make a commingling of the salt with the water. And so, yes, the, the, that's why we say uh, in, in the confessional that, that tears uh, are often a sign of perfect contrition, you mm-hmm. know, because, because it is from the heart that uh, that, that ocean flows, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, there could be like a paper written of the waters of baptism and mm. and the tears of a baptized individual for the sake of another. Oof. He's like looking back and Oof. forth between us, like which oh. one? Yeah. 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 Which yeah, one? Yeah. Yeah. Which one will? <laughs> I haven't given an assignment yet on the show, so I, yeah. So you're safe. Yeah. So yeah, she felt discouraged, knew those tears, uh, and yet she still she still um, kept going. She never gave up. Yeah. She also yeah. went to then found like the help she needed with like a spiritual direction kind of yeah. relationship with the, with the Bishop or whatever, like she wasn't alone in it. She reached mm-hmm. out. So that, mm-hmm. that's a good, you know, that's she's important. got some humility enough to reach out and know that like, okay, I might be like making myself a saint here, but it's not me making me mm-hmm. a saint. You yeah. know, it's God, but he's also going to do it through other people. Right. Sure. And just knowing she needs help and being okay with that. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's helpful. And I think sometimes, especially when we're in a place of despair, maybe we're, we're uh, mourning the loss of a loved one or something like that. And we, we don't, we don't reach out past our, our own grief. Uh, that, that can be a very dangerous thing. We feel righteous while we're doing it because we don't think anybody can help us. And yet uh, Monica reaches out because she knows that the danger of despair is that you you lose a sense of, of the Lord leading you through a cross to resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in and, and that way, she knew her purpose. She, in, in watching her son grow and regress and grow and, you know, three steps forward, a couple steps, you know, back, uh, she determined her purpose in life. She kind of came about her vocation to pray for him. And that's actually her vocation now. St. Monica now in heaven has a vocation of prayer for for uh, for those who are despairing the the loss of the soul of one of the ones that they love. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She still prays. St. Monica, the patron saint of, uh, of wives and mothers and conversions and alcoholics and abuse victims. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I would pray for her just um, for like the graces of being able to endure through long periods of prayer of like where you don't know whether there's anything going to come of it, like in the way that you want it to, but like, is there any movement? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there were big graces that were just very delayed in the Mm -hmm. life of St. Monica, huge graces like saints coming out of it. St. Augustine. Yeah. And, uh, and through St. Augustine, many, many more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's it. Um, so, so to those of you uh, who perhaps are trying to say, I don't know if I can do this anymore, ask for St. Monica's intercession for yourself. <laughs> it's okay to pray for yourself, especially if you're going through that difficult time. And St. Monica is ready to pray for you, ready to deliver those prayers to the heart of our Savior. All righty, we're going to take a little bit of a break, uh, but it's the Catholic Underground. We'll be right back. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. 
O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. That's right. Uh, that sound of the mandolin means that you have found the Catholic underground, uh, or maybe it's, or maybe it's a well-tuned ukulele. I don't know. Uh, I'm Father Chris, joined by Matthew Offpower, Olivia Galino, Jeff Blackwell is up in space, and uh, and Ed is as well. Um, there in the in the satellite of perpetual hope. I think yeah. is that okay? Can we name your satellite? I mean, it we called the Jeff Star One, but has thus been dubbed. That's right, Jeff Star One colon you. satellite of perpetual hope. I love that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking also of hope, it has been kind of a theme. We, we've been harping on hope for quite a while on the mm-hmm. Catholic Underground. Uh, so, I mean, art is a sign of hope, right? St. Monica, saint of hope. Mm-hmm. And even when we talk about what comes next for us, mm-hmm. the four last things, it's actually a discussion about hope. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a discussion about hope, but it's also a discussion about love. And I think that mm-hmm. that's something we lose when we... Yeah. If you say four <laughs> last things, people think of the only thing they know about Revelation, or yeah. one of the few, which mm-hmm. is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that kind of thing, right? Uh, like yeah. the end of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had four monks bloom. at the Abbey that we called the four horsemen of the apocalypse because <laughs> they were always wow. together. And we thought that, you know, if, if one of them went to the Lord... Uh, then surely the end times are among us because they were like several billion years old. And uh, now now they have all gone to the Lord. So we're just waiting. We're still here. We're in the last days but here. Not for long. That's yeah. right. Um, but yeah, so uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, soon to be um, blessed. Yes, yes. Fulton Sheen. That's right. He's venerable um, now. He's venerable now, but soon, very soon, he will be blessed. Um, but he kind of sets the scene for these four last things. And I think he phrases things or he he situates things in a way that's really helpful, especially like I find, you know, if you start talking to people about like heaven and hell, that you can lose people very quickly because it just sounds kind of folklorish. Yeah. But when it comes down to when you put everything in terms of hope and of love, like, mm-hmm. okay, well, people can relate to that, right? Because yep. we know what it means to have hope and we know what it means to love or to be loved or at least to want that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so... Um, you know, we, we noticed that, um, that this is kind of the stuff that we look towards at the end of our life, but it's also mm-hmm. things that we have to consider here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like our gospel today, you know, yeah. the Lord giving a very distinct prophecy about the destruction of the temple and ultimately the, the, the very last things, the, mm-hmm. the final judgment. And, uh, and so we who are wise mm-hmm. or would, would purport to be wise ought to think about the last things now. Yeah. Well, that's what um, Bishop Sheen says, Archbishop Sheen, he says that a happy death is a masterpiece mm-hmm. and no masterpiece was ever perfected in a day. Ooh. And I really, I love that. I've it's never, art again. it is, everything is about art. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also reminds me of something that Plato says. Plato talked about philosophy as a kind of preparation for death. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just Plato, but like Socrates, but you know, Socrates as we get him through Plato. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he talked about it as a, a, a kind of preparation for death, right? You think about these, these things, you think about the, the immortal forms you think about um you know ethics and th- politics and things like that yeah, um, and what they're and strive, aiming towards yeah. right strive for for greater life a, a fuller life a, a life based on justice and um and, and a community and things like that um for the sake of what comes next right always looking towards the after um and so it, death is no different right um but we do aim number one for a happy death like you said but it, it is a it's a masterpiece right it's not mm-hmm. something that we can slap together mm-hmm. in our last week and say well you good the four last things is not aluminum siding 
<laughs> you know, it's it is. It's can it, I get a, it's, can I get that quoted? Yeah, Someone right, write we'll, that down. We'll put it on a mug for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna put that on your tombstone. Speaking of death, <laughs> just put it in Latin. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but a lot of times when people, you know, we fear death, death is the first of the four last things, right? We fear death, um, because we're not prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's natural, right? It's the unknown. It's the ultimate unknown. We don't know what it, what it is. And yet we can prepare. And yet we can prepare. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and Bush Bishop seen even says that, um, death is a beautiful thing for him who dies before he dies by dying daily to the temptation of the world the flesh and the devil, right? Yeah. So that death that Christ talks about that, you know, we can take up our cross every day, right? And if you take up a cross, you eventually have to get on it, right? Which means that you have to die. Um, so if we die daily, then we're prepared in those tinier ways, those smaller ways for that that larger death that we're going to be asked to to carry to burden um, at the end of our life but will be that just like the the daily deaths that we die to self to the flesh to the world mm -hmm. right those are are kind of a greater uh immersion in that that eternal life of baptism yep. right so that greater death that we'll experience at the end of life well then that's that's the ultimate right that's, that's right. the the gateway into and that's what uh, we as christians ultimate. talk about when we talk about living the paschal mystery Mm -hmm. Living the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our own bodies. Uh, St. Paul talks about making up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. This is exactly it. The way that we prepare for death is by, by living every day, uh, dying to self, dying to those temptations that, that, that threaten us, huh? mm -hmm. um, dying to our own pride, our own battle over sin, uh, and rising in the midst of that. You know? mm -hmm. And, and, and that, is a real, that is a real thing. It's not just metaphoric. It's not just a nice, pious idea. It's not not real. Right. Uh, that's the way that we live our baptism fully. Mm -hmm. Is is by is by that continual, always beginning again, uh, always uh, these little concentric circles in our lives mm -hmm. that make the big circle of preparing for the hereafter. Yeah, absolutely. As Pope Pius the Twelfth said at the uh, canonization of. St. Maria Goretti, mm -hmm. <clears throat> unless I'm mistaken, because I read this on a calendar today. I'm like one of these saint calendars that a parish probably mm -hmm. gave away. But um, he said, uh, like, not everybody is going to die a martyr's death, but you can think of your life as a slow martyrdom. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, because the, the Lord said that in, in the gospel today, right? He said that you're going to be, you know, dragged before magistrates. You're going to be turned over by your family. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be persecuted because of my name. Um, it will lead to your giving testimony, mm -hmm. right? It will lead to your witness. And of course, you all know the Greek word for witness is marturon, right? Mm -hmm. And it will lead to your giving testimony uh, of being a martyr. And, and that's really a life well lived, a death well served is one that has been prepared by giving witness and by giving testimony. Mm -hmm. And and we can either give testimony to vice or give testimony to virtue and, and having been uh, claimed for Christ and for his church. Yeah. Again, that's living your baptism. Yeah, like absolutely. That. Yeah, and so, you know, the, the natural um, next step after death, right? It's not, death is not all there is newsflash, right? But death is not all there is, right? Thanks be to God. Yep. Um, but what comes after that is, is what's called particular judgment, right? So there's particular judgment and there's general judgment. General judgment is, you know, the world is ending. Everyone is being judged. Everyone, uh, like the, the, the world is being recreated, mm -hmm. right? But particular judgment is when you die, right? Mm -hmm. And you face the Lord as, as a particular person. Right. Um, but it also, it comes down to 
um, that your your personhood, right? Your personhood is what you present to Jesus mm-hmm. at the end of time or, or at the end of your time, yeah. right? And at my the own end of time. private apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that cannot be the the episode title. I think we could <laughs> my yeah. own private apocalypse, <laughs> right? But but that's what you're presenting to the Lord, right? You're presenting to the Lord your entire personhood, which includes who you are, what you've been given, but also what you've done with what you've been given, right? So the the acts that you've that you've done, mm-hmm. right? Um, the graces that you've received and then ha- the cooperation with those graces, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the reality is, and the Bishop Sheen says this, that your works follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. So, James says it too. Yes, he does, <laughs> right? We missed that part, but he does. Yeah. Um, and so all of that is, is for this kind of um, the greater glory of the person, right? We don't just like um, kind of, God's not going to go through scrutiny and just like pick apart your life and, mm-hmm. and to like tear you down, right? But all it's all for the sake of glory, right? Right. All to figure out, okay, like, are you really able to to say yes to me and to be completely um, imbued with that yes, right? Every, every part of your being has said yes to me, right? Yeah. Just like you were saying, like, um, is the witness of your life to Christ or is it to something else, right? Right. Um, and and that, that story is told, you know, first through your words, but also most clearly through your actions, yeah. right? Through has the choices your, that you make. Has your life been an icon or have you been an idol? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so- It ain't be- called American icon. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I don't, they would implode if you call it that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What does this mean? Um, so Bishop Sheen, huh? <laughs> That's the Catholic artist version. That's right. Catholic artist version is American icon. TBD. Yeah, TBD. That'll be coming. Right. Summer of 2020. Um, Sorry, continue. But Bishop Sheen, he describes to it that at the resurrection of the dead, right? Because that's the whole point. You know, it's not yep. just that we die, but that, that, and not just that we're judged, but that we, that our bodies will rise, right? Our soul mm-hmm. and our body will be reunited in the resurrection of the dead. And in that resurrection, the soul will have a body that conforms to the soul's spiritual condition, mm. right? So the, in order for, um, for, for the glory of heaven to truly be lived, right? The soul, um, which then animates the body, the glorified body has to be in, in kind of tip top shape. Right. Um, and so that's the point of, of, you know, purgatory, right? We, we often kind of struggle, I think with purgatory, um, as a, as an idea, but, but that's the whole point. Right. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit. Golly, Um, I'm going to spend some time with that. How did you say that, 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 that our, our glorified body will be conformed to the to the final state of our soul. Mm-hmm. Wow. My my brain explode. Like it that explode? all the more reason, all the more I find okay, true confessions. I, I find that as I get older, maybe this is just me preparing for my midlife crisis. I'm hoping that the <laughs> Lord allow it to be a merciful one. But I find myself more and more really being concerned about the state of my soul at the end of my life. You know, more and more, uh, finally kind of, gosh, I don't, I'm a priest, but I, I find more and more just this desire for, for my soul to be properly conformed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, so, so that's why that hit me between the eyes. Yeah. Um, because I want in, in the resurrection, I want my glorified body to correspond to my soul. Please God, having responded to all of the graces that have, that have been offered and um, and all the opportunities to to be an icon, to be a witness for God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at myself in the mirror and I go, I have not always done that. Yeah. <laughs> I really haven't, you know. Um, but you can. It, it's never too late to start yeah. that, that process. Right. Well, that's where the hope comes in, right? Yeah. Um, 
you, you know, you, you, first of all, you look at yourself in truth, but also in love, right? Truth does not exist without charity and charity mm -hmm. does not exist without truth. Right. But you also, you know, whatever you see, you invite God into that, but then you also, by inviting him into that are able to see hope, right. To see that, okay, like I am called to more and there is yeah. help, right. And it's God and, himself who's going to help me. And that God is not just kind of this OCD clerk. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. ticking off boxes saying, nope, didn't do that. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. But, but, God wants us. He he desperately wants us to be with him. Yeah. And the reason that that he is he is judging us with mercy is so that we can be with him. Yeah. You know, and so that is why the soul that that has not um that has not folded in on itself being guilty of mortal sin, right? The sin ultimately of pride, of turning mm -hmm. away from God and trying to make ourselves God. Yeah. Um the soul that does not die in that state that still perhaps has some of some of the the clinging of venial sin. Mm -hmm. God wants that to be purified, not because he wants you to, to hurt, yeah. but because he wants you with him. Yeah. He wants you in the place where every tear is wiped away. He wants you in the place where finally you have arrived at rest. He wants you into it in that in that embrace of eternal comfort. Yeah. That's what he wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that's a good distinction to make, right? So um part of the the particular judgment, um, which will, you know, come to no surprise to us, but um is, you know, a taking assessment of, okay, are the are there mortal sins that exist in the soul of this person? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, you might remember from your catechism or CCD classes or PSR that, um, that mortal sin is, is a separation from God, right? We've cut ourselves off from God by some decision that we've made. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Bishop Sheen says that the soul in mortal sin without grace, right? Because that's what it does. It kind of empties a situation of love of grace. Um, it, that soul doesn't possess the family traits of the Trinity, Right. And so seeing no likeness in that soul, our Lord can only say these terrible words, which signify no recognition. I know you not. Mm. Right. That's from Luke 13. Right. Um, but that's because of a choice that we've made. Right. Not because of some, you know, tyrannical, um, I don't yeah. know, like flying off the handle that God goes on some bender. You know, like it's not <laughs> right. that it's, it's no. that we've made some choices and, and because we've emptied ourselves of that likeness to God, right? We are made in the image and likeness of God. The likeness is gift, mm -hmm. but the, I'm sorry, the gift, the image is gift, but the likeness is task, right? Yes. And so if we, if we haven't um, made ourselves cooperated to make ourselves more like God, well then it's possible that he can look at us at the end of time and say, well, I don't know you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the image is gift, but the likeness to God. We are made in his image and likeness. The yeah. likeness is a task. Yeah. Very important to underscore that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we think that one is the other, so I don't have to do anything. Exactly, know? yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but venial sin, right, is yep. is those kind of, they, they damage our relationship with God, but they don't destroy it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so venial sin um, is kind of the soul just saying, okay, I just need some time to clean up, right? Yep. Just like if you're going to invite someone over to your house, you just want a little time to like tidy up a little bit mm -hmm. and maybe clean the bathroom, just, you know, run the toilet brush around. Um, <laughs> At the very least. And so that, that's what purgatory is, right? Um, and Archbishop Sheen says that the judgment of God is final, but there's a merciful chance to be cleansed of sin by those who die in a state of grace but have not yet atoned for all the punishments due to sin. Mm -hmm. And I love this. He said he compares purgatory to something like a dark room for developing film, um, treating the film, which is the souls, with burning acids so its hidden color and beauty may be revealed. Very nice. Like, yeah, whew, that gives me shivers. That's not true. just because I like film photography, that's but right. like, um, but I think about it like, this is the way that I've described purgatory to people. God is the holy one, mm -hmm. right? Um, and God appears to Moses in the form of like a burning bush, right? He also appears, um, in, before the Israelites in a, in a pillar of, of fire, yeah. right? God appears, um, 
uh, at Mount Sinai in lightning and thunder. That's right. Right. Um, consuming the, but not destroying. Consuming but not destroying. So God shows up in, in tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit, right? Fire is an image for God yeah. and that, that we see very clearly through scripture. Right. Um, so think about like the the fire of purgatory. Right. Like it, it it's not supposed to be like comfort and rainbows and happiness. Right. It's it's a struggle. Um, but if it burns, it's because it's cleansing. Yeah. Right. So just like if you put metal in a fire to purify it. Right. It's going to come out even shinier, even better on the other end because of all those impurities will have been tinged away. Mm-hmm. Right. But if we approach that fire before we're ready. Yeah. Right. Well, then it scorches. Yeah. Right. But if we if we approach that fire gently and with like the help of God, yeah. well, then it's cleansing, then it's right. purifying. And that's also why we can speak about indulgences. And then yeah. at the end of our lives, something like the apostolic pardon, yeah. where we do have to atone for all of the temporal effects, the effects that our sins cause. And uh, and the apostolic pardon is given uh, a priest may give uh, at the end of, of life, at the at the final anointing. Um, which is a remission of of the, that temporal effect due to sin, which is what we what we are working to to purify in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what a great gift that is! That actually comes to us. The Holy Father allows it as a as a gift to the dying soul, the apostolic pardon to to pardon that soul from from any time in purgatory. Yeah, beautiful thing. I've been able to do that a number of times as a priest. And I pray that whenever my time comes, there is a young spry priest, Johnny on the spot, who's there uh, to offer the apostolic pardon to me. Uh, what a great gift that is. Yeah. I guess we should talk about hell. We a should talk bit. a little bit about hell. Um, so what's interesting is that we don't, hell doesn't get much press anymore. Um, <laughs> I actually, I had a professor in college one time. This was like freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. We were, t- we were reading, um, uh, the Inferno, um, mm-hmm. Dante's, Dante's Inferno. Inferno. Uh, well, we were reading the whole Paradiso, but we were on the Inferno and he looked around one day, he got very quiet and he just said, do you believe in hell? Hmm. To a class of, you know, 20 freshman college students who were, you know, trying to be Catholic, most of us. And um, and there were people who were like, yeah, of course we believe in hell, right? And he, um, like, kind of dug his heels in and was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and they, like, fought him for a long time. This is what we did in class that day. They just fought him for a long time. And at the end of class, he said... Well, if you believe in hell, you sure don't act like it. Yeah. Right. And he wasn't making an indictment against them particularly. He was just saying as a cultural, as a culture, we don't believe in hell. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we don't act like it's a real place. Yeah. Um, And um, and Bishop Sheen says, too, if there's any subject which is offensive to modern sentimentalists, it's the subject of hell. Right. Right. We don't like it. Um, But think about hell again, like if if. if the, the height of virtue is is kind of finding different ways to put love into situation, right? Yeah. Into love into your life, right? You've allowed love to animate your being because you're you're conforming yourself to Christ, right? You are made in his image and you're conforming him, yourself to his likeness, right? Which is love, mm-hmm. right? Um, then to sin is to kind of empty a situation, to empty your life a little bit of that love, yeah. right? And then hell is that eternal separation from that love, right? Because I've made some decision, I've made the final choice for my life that I'm gonna be in a state of separation from that love, mm-hmm. which means that I'm in a place that has no love. Right, and I'm going to try to, to fabricate that love with myself, yeah. by myself, yeah. in isolation. And we can never fabricate love. Yeah. You know, uh, think of the last time you went to confession. What, are, what were all of your sins? Trying to fabricate love. <laughs> You know, yeah. we can't do it. it. It doesn't work. And it leads us farther and farther away from God. Yeah. And uh, Bishop Sheen even says, hell is the mind eternally mad at itself for wounding love. Mm. 
You yes. hated yourself most when you hurt someone you loved. The souls in hell hate themselves most for wounding perfect love. They can never forgive themselves. Their hell is eternal, self-imposed unforgiveness. It's not that God will not forgive them, but that they will not forgive themselves. That's right. And it's just this it's just this loop for eternity yeah. of, of, of being angry at yourself yeah. for, for killing love. Yeah. And so, but then on the flip side, right, um, if hell is a place where, where we have the absence of love, we have the recognition that we've wounded eternal love, well, then heaven, um, which we don't, you know, admittedly know very much about other than that it's beatitude, right, right which is eternal happiness. We also and don't communion. talk about it a lot either. Yeah, we really don't because I think people kind of get afraid of, of heaven coming across as like, it's like cotton candy clouds and marshmallow pillows everywhere you look, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I think that sometimes, it, especially yeah, a when little you, saccharine. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, no, like, I mean, if heaven is going to be real, then it's going to be like really good and not yeah. just like really sweet, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, but, that's true. Um, not that sweetness isn't good, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But um, but Bishop Seen, Bishop Seen says that to understand what heaven is, we got to begin with time. Yeah. So he says that, have you ever noticed that your happiest moments have come when eternity seemed almost to get inside of your soul? Yes. Whew. Like walking into a big, giant, beautiful church. Yeah. Or, I don't know, stumbling into Santiago and finding an English-speaking priest that will hear your confession after two weeks of not being able to go, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I don't speak for any sort of, you know. Uh, this is real. Yeah. Taken from real. But life. but yeah, those moments where where heaven and earth meet inside your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, he says too that your happiest moments are those when you are not conscious of time at all. Mm-hmm. There is a hint of what heaven must be. It must be outside of time, where you can possess all joys at one and the same full moment. Oof. Right. So yes. we can find um, because this place was created by God. Right. The place where you like the stuff that you're touching, the stuff that you are, is the stuff of God's love. Right. So mm-hmm. that that you can find traces of heaven here and now, um, and those tell us a little bit about what that is. And it's true kind of fullness. Right. Mm-hmm. I think of it as as like this like fullness and and ethereal kind of brightness. Right. The 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 fullness that that comes from just being completely loved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's what that's what the choices that we make in our life. That's our that's our goal. Our holy goal is to get to that point. Right. To make choices in every moment for that love towards that love and to to share invite people into that love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because you've you've experienced some taste of it in your life. Um, and, and most especially in the Eucharist. Right. That's yes. the, the sacrament of love. Right. So you've experienced it most completely there um, and that we will experience it in its absolute fullness in heaven. Right. When we when we see God face to face and we're just overwhelmed by his beauty. Right. If you you know, if you experience like being pierced by by beauty or being overwhelmed by someone's goodness or being just completely like marinated in truth. Right. Mm. All of those are like whispers of heaven. And so if you can just kind of conflate all those experience experiences and then multiply them times infinity, right. That's what heaven's going to be. Yep. And, and the notion that, that it's, it, it even surpasses that where, you know, when, when Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. What things God has prepared for those that love him the notion that all this all of this this you know m- the kind of mind escape that you paint that heaven is just wait yeah and that is what that's what draws us on in fact that's also why uh why bishop sheen says that he knows that there are people uh who are making their heaven or hell here on earth right mm-hmm. he says he's met people who were in hell and then he's met people quote with heaven in them mm-hmm. you know and you can see that they are living for that beatitude now and that's that's what we we hope to see uh for sure and that's our holy goal right heaven is perfect life 
perfect truth, perfect love, and the fulfillment of hope, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Ah, yes. Well, uh, I suppose we could keep going on, but um, but then we would miss, we would miss, my friends, that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. All right. <laughs> Matthew, were you afraid there for a minute? It seemed, seemed like you jumped <laughs> with the with the sting. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the sting stung. That's the sting stung. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, your pick of the week. You got, you got one? I do. Yes. Um, my pick of the week is chasing squirrels in parks. No, I'm kidding. Um, my pick of the week. But try it sometime. Um, <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah. If the squirrel is smaller than you, try it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, uh, my pick of the week is actually, um, I love board games, mm-hmm. um, board games, a taste of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm s- like surprised sometimes just by like how much fun board games can be just playing with family or friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that I like a lot that, um, it's an independently produced or, or published board game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where you can get it other than look on, you know, Google or something like that for it. We'll find it for the show notes. Um, It's called King of Tokyo. And it's (laughs) like, it's based on, you know, the, the Godzilla battles, other like Godzilla sized monsters type of thing. Right. They have like, I'm with you so far. They have like a, like you know, you have little a miniature Godzillas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a bunch of monsters okay. that like you can choose one and play as. Um, and then it's just it's fun. It's a lot like um, like you you get victory points for doing different things, or like you have battles and stuff if you want. And there's there's dice rolls, so there's chance involved. Lots of pretty colors and just like cool illustrations. It's a lot of fun, like and it's it's things. a quick. It's like a quick action packed. Uh, game so you can play like two or three so it's not like 16 hours of monopoly <laughs> that's right yeah okay. which is which is fun in its own way for some people <laughs> but uh, yeah not for me <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's money and it's uh 16 hours i yeah. can't i can't do it but this this sounds interesting yeah king of tokyo it's fun right. it's a lot of fun okay olivia how about yeah. your pick of the week Hold so, a candle to that, shall, my, yeah, shall you? Literally every time. It's fine. Um, so my pick of the week, um, so I'm not I'm not an artist. Like I can't draw or paint or anything like that. But I do love to bake. And I find a lot of like that's kind of an artistic outlet for me. Is Boy, whatever outlet, uh, whatever art artistry that involves. But um, but I also love to follow people who inspire me. And there's a, a woman on Instagram um, named Amanda E. Faber. Mm-hmm. And um, she's got... A beautiful Instagram feed, and this is like cake art. And I know that oh, sounds it's maybe like trite, art. but like, look. Yes. Oh, I, yes. Well, she. Well, you can't see it, everybody. But, but uh, we'll link to it. it and you, <laughs> look, everyone, with your minds. I know. Right. Um, but she just has such a way of like kind of using chaos and like um, just. Um, like yeah. the inspiration of ordinary things. She has a right? lot of kind of macro icing art. That's awesome. And that's yeah. really interesting. Some and she things does that look like palettes inspired. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she does just kind of strange things, other things that people might look at and be like, that's really weird, but it works, right? Because of like the colors and things that she uses and just, I, th- I think her confidence doing it. Um, but she's got um, not just this, but she, her Instagram feed, she's got a website. Um, she's got a cookbook that I really want. Um, but wow. yeah. So just if you're looking for inspiration, artistic inspiration of an another kind yeah well, check is. her out maybe uh, let's go up to to, to space and uh, see what jeff's yes of the week is the most wonderful time of the year when bob brings oh. out the sweet stripes oh the yeah. mints yeah yeah you know, those, it, those mints are they gosh the tub was full 
don't look at me. No, no, I see every time everybody at the station comes by the satellite, they oh, they, they do. They, they grab come, a handful. It's the vacuum of space. Anyway, That's these right. are good. It's the soft mints, and you really can only find them like uh, Ed. Would you like uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Ed. You got a handful. Ed has a handful. Uh, but, uh, man, I'm telling you what, they are good. They're delicious and, um, you know, fun to share. And it's it's really kind of like getting this ready, sort of like Advent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Getting this ready for Christmas. Oh, well, there's a whole theology of the candy cane, you know. Yeah, yes, indeed. Cover that in a few weeks. Find these anywhere fine candies are sold. That's right. Uh, My pick of the week is actually a little bit of homework, okay? It's one of my favorite encyclicals uh, by Pope Pius XI. Quas Primus is uh, is your preparation for the Feast of Christ the King. So whether Mm. you're preparing for Christ the King or you're looking back on it, if you want to know what's wrong in the world and who can fix it, well, it's our Lord. And so you'll want to read this. Quas Primus. Great encyclical. We'll put that in the show notes. So we are very, 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 very happy for those of you who join us, especially those of you who are our benefactors and know that we pray for you. Isn't that right, Jeff? Amen. Yes. And this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Yep. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And also an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us. And share us on your social media platform of choice. Yeah, if you if you like us, uh, tell others. If you don't like us, well, then tell Keep us. Keep it to yourself. No, Keep it to yourself. No, <laughs> Olivia at CatholicUnderground.com. That's the way you do it. Yeah. Yes, send all the I'll send all the complaints there. That's right. Uh, she never checks that email box. Uh, all right. Uh, our panelists this week have been Olivia Galino. She's at the dot real dot omg. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Father. All righty, we've got uh, we've got Matthew Hoffpower. Uh, at the perks of being a Hoffpower yes. on you, on the Instagram. I'm, I'm getting it. It's true. Wow. Our technical director is at Jeff Blackwell. I'm sorry, is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwell us on go. the Instagram and Twitter. Oh, all these, these uh, equivocal names here. Our research assistant, leader of the crew in the lab, and still employee of the month, Jim Hayes. Jim Hayes uh, always there on the assist for us with, uh, with managing our edit here on the show. Uh, our video and graphics director for this episode is Ed Ball. You know him. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We're Faith on Digital somehow, and we will see you next time.